Hello and welcome into the second episode of Unsportsman Lake Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. I'm Connor Logston. I'm Evan Sichello. And I'm Vaughn Lozon. And today we are welcomed by our first guest on the show, Julio Nieves. Pleasure to be here. And uh, Julio has something special to talk about for us today. It's something that's going on in the city of Detroit. But before we get to that, there's actually bigger news in the city of Detroit, surprisingly. Yesterday, superstar, legend, uh, Detroit Lions hero, Calvin Johnson announced he has plans to retire. So we're going to start talking about that. And Evan, why don't you uh, start us off with your thoughts? I'm very sad, but I'm not shocked. But I'm disappointed. It's not a total surprise. Uh, obviously, this past season was difficult for Calvin. Uh, he battled many injuries. The ankle was nagging him. His body's deteriorating. It's very sad. He's only 30. So I know after the season, he got together with Jim Caldwell, told him that he told him, Matthew Stafford, and Stephen Tolick that he planned to retire, told his family before the season. He's just trying to keep it quiet. That's the kind of guy Calvin is. Uh, but I know a lot of Detroit Lions fans are disappointed and upset, uh, but we should try to remember the good things that Calvin has done for this franchise. Uh, 731 uh, re- receptions, over 11,000 receiving yards, and 83 touchdowns. This is the only guy I knew that could go up against triple coverage one-on-three and get with that athleticism it's megatron with the big size the skill uh, his body his speed uh, everything his route running it was just a joy to watch and uh, if he wants to give it up right now then it's probably right to do so because i don't think the lions are going to win the super bowl anytime soon uh, not with the stars they have he was their last remaining star in my opinion besides matthew stafford uh, but sad to see calvin go but you know lions can replace him and they got golden tate have a draft coming up, got free agency. It's going to take a whole group to replace Calvin Johnson. But if it is true, because, again, uh, Calvin hasn't come out and said he's retiring, we, who knows? But right now, Adam Schefter, credible source for ESPN, uh, that's the news. And we should just be happy for Calvin for all the joy he's brought to Detroit fans. Absolutely. you got to be happy for the guy. He set the record for receiving yards in a season back in 2012. He broke Jerry Rice. Uh possibly the greatest wide receiver of all time broke Jerry Rice's record he uh I don't have my computer in front of me because it's kind of crashed right now but I want to say that the yardage was uh 1,964 correct me if I'm yeah, wrong he was, he was just short of 2,000 yeah yeah, yeah that, that's incredible just in one season almost having 2,000 yards with and um, he had like two broken fingers that season too. he did yeah but you got to give him some credit for fighting through this entire season with the nagging injuries, like you said, the ankle, and just everything that he's had to go through with the Lions, all these heartbreaking losses in the playoffs to the Cowboys, and it, it, it's been a rough ride for him. But the thing that I will remember most about him is those, like you said, Evan, triple coverage catches uh, down the field. He had one against Cincinnati a few years back, and then he had one against the Dallas Cowboys, I want to say four or five years ago, when uh, he kind of got called out by uh, Dallas coordinator Rob Ryan, he said that Des Bryant was a better receiver and he'll always be a better receiver than Calvin. Then Calvin goes for n- well over 100 yards and catches that uh, triple coverage touchdown and kind of silenced all the haters. He said they had two guys better than Calvin Johnson. Yeah. That game. Uh, and then Calvin torched them. Oh, Cal- Calvin awesome. lit up that defense all day. And he lit up defenses throughout his entire career. And that, that's what I'm going to remember most about him. And it's just sad that he had to retire at the age of 30. Barry Sanders also retired at the age of 30. Uh, we probably don't remember all that well of Barry Sanders, but it's just another Detroit legend has gone too soon. Uh, definitely. Um, I mean, Calvin Johnson's one of those players that you, you tell him he can't 
and he will. You know, it's like no one ever told him no. Uh, again, up against Des Bryant, you know, absolutely crushed the competition. One thing that I think, though, is that there's an air that, oh, what are we going to do now? How are we going to cope? Detroit will cope. We will come back, and Calvin Johnson is replaceable. Um, obviously, it's going to take, you know, something big. You know, you just don't replace Calvin Johnson with one player. But if Detroit's careful in the draft, and if they put their offseason to good use, like we've seen them do in the past, uh, Calvin can definitely be replaced, and Detroit can be better than what it is now. It's, it's a shame to see him go. Um, especially after so many amazing highlights. I, I think we were watching television one day, and I they said that his span reaches two garage doors with, with his arm span. Oh. So you, you throw it anywhere within 10 feet of the guy, and he'll grab it without even trying. Yeah. Um, so definitely a big thanks to Calvin Johnson for all his service and for all his hard work in Detroit. Uh, sad to see him go, but I think it's time to look forward to the future of Detroit and not what we're losing, but what we're going to gain when we come back in August. It seems like only yesterday where uh, I was watching the 2007 NFL draft and the second overall pick, a wide receiver from Georgia Tech by the name of Calvin Johnson Megatron. And people say he reti uh, retired prematurely, you know, nine seasons isn't enough, but you got to take of all the physical toll this guy has taken with all the hits because it seemed like every offensive play for most of the game, every game, was Matthew Stafford to Calvin Johnson. We all know the Lions have never had a good running game. Uh, the wide receivers beside Calvin Johnson have been – in and out, you had like Nate Burleson, Roy Williams, that, that. This guy has been the guy. And now, yeah, we talked about sad to see him go. But, again, it's the Lions' time to rebuild. I mean, since 2014, you lost in Sue. Now you're about to lose Calvin Johnson. It's going to be another long rebuilding process. But with new uh, Martha Ford, with the ownership that's stronger than ever, and with Bob Quinn, the new GM, I think the Lions should be in good shape going forward. And I also remember that 07 draft, and not everyone was happy or on board with the Calvin pick. Remember, under Matt Millian, we also took Charles Rogers, Mike Williams out of USC, <laughs> uh, top five picks, and those just a couple years before, and they both choked. They, they both uh, were total busts. A lot of people wanted the Lions to trade him and get Jamarcus Russell. Thank God they didn't do that. Um, and Calvin, he, he just, not only did he meet the expectations of being the number two pick in the NFL draft, he shattered them. He might go down as the most dom physically dominant receiver of all time. I can think of a bigger matchup nightmare. The size, the speed, the, the strength, the leaping ability, his wingspan, like Julio was talking about. The guy was just a machine. Anytime the Lions need a big play, as a fan, you're watching TV, you just think, just throw it up to Calvin. There could be three guys there, four guys. He's going to come down and catch it. He was just so reliable. He was the guy who drove this team the last few years. And what really sucks is that he never won a playoff game. Right. Even with how great he was, he never won one playoff game. And... I think that's the biggest thing to take away is how much are we losing? Because we didn't have that much success with him. So maybe without him, maybe we can use some of that cap money we're going to save to go get another receiver to fill in some holes in other places. So um, I think what I want to talk about now is where do you guys think uh, the next move should be? Or what, what, do you want to, what do you want to see us do with the NFL draft and free agency now? First round, I feel like you have to not take a receiver. Uh, Probably the unpopular opinion now that Calvin's gone, but the Lions, you know, they've had history of taking wide receivers in the draft, and Calvin was the diamond in the rough. Uh, I'm not saying – I don't think there's a receiver in this draft that's as good, as physically good as Calvin Johnson, except Laquan Treadwell of Ole Miss. I feel so like if he's it, at 16, you should take him. Okay, I was going to ask, because you said no receiver in the first round, I was going to ask, well, what if Treadwell's there? Yeah. Now, he's no Calvin. Yeah. No, he's he, no, no, Calvin. One, no one's Calvin. There's no Calvin. There's, there will never be another Calvin Johnson again. Yeah. Like Laquan Treadwell is really, really good. Because you got to look at free agency, too. They're saying the best wide receiver 
in this free agent class is Alshon Jeffrey or the Chicago Bears. Now, Chicago is not going to let him get away, especially due to division rivals such as the Lions. So I think the Lions, their best bet is to get someone high in the draft like a Treadwell or have a the group of receivers, the backup receivers, Golden Tate, make him the number one guy, have like Corey Fuller, Lance Moore, someone else, sign some more people, have some competitions and collaborative effort, I guess. There are only two positions that I think that they should go for in the first round. One of them I've been wanting to go for for uh, several years. I, I wanted them to get Patrick Peterson in the first round back when he was in the draft. Uh, that didn't happen. I've been wanting them to get a cornerback or a safety or any kind of secondary player for God knows how long now, and they, they still haven't. But um, they, they definitely need secondary still. They need help there. Glover Quinn was banged up a little bit this past season. His uh, consistency kind of went down compared to the previous season. But also, wide receiver wouldn't be a bad choice, but I think offensive line too. you got to yes. protect Matthew Stafford at all costs. He is the key to the Lions moving forward with or without Calvin Johnson. And offensive line is the biggest need, I think. Take a look. I'm going to go ahead and agree with that offensive line. Uh, if you remember when John Kitna was our quarterback, I think we had one season where he got sacked 50 times in that season. <laughs> it was just brutal. And, uh, you know, they've been telling us since we've been playing video games that, you know, defense wins championships and defense. And, and it's true. I, I, my first choice would be a middle linebacker, somebody who can run the middle okay. of our defense, not only can go in for a blitz and maybe go ahead and put pressure on the quarterback, but if you need him to drop back and be that extra hand in the air, he can do that. Uh, I, I'm sure Detroit would be absolutely livid if we lost another Hail Mary game like that, not sending so many guys back to, to cover it. But if we can't do defense, I, I would definitely say offensive line because Matt Stafford's a great quarterback, but there's nothing he can do if he can't hold on to the ball for more than five seconds. Uh, my first pick would be a middle linebacker every single time, but if not middle linebacker, we got to protect Stafford. Yep. Take a look at that O-line right now. I mean, left tackle, you got Riley Reeve, Lakin Tomlinson, left guard. Travis Swanson at center, right guard you got uh, Larry Warford, and right tackle you got Michael Ola. That's two first-round picks, two third-round picks, and the guy who I don't even – Michael Ola, who, who came out of nowhere. He, he, had, a, he yeah. had a decent yeah. season this year. Ola. He had a decent season, but he really came out of nowhere. Yeah, so but, you know, there's some good uh, offensive linemen in the draft. One from Michigan State, Jack Conklin. I don't think he looked that good against Alabama, but he's a first-round pick. No one looked it's good Alabama. against Alabama. Yeah. yeah. So, I think the biggest three needs for this team are left tackle – wide receiver, and defensive tackle. But O-line, you make a good point. They've put a lot of resources into that into, um, in that group the last couple of seasons. Yeah, they took the first-round pick with Tomlinson last year. Manny Ramirez was also part of that first-round right. kind of yep. deal. They brought him back. Yes. He still has a few years left. Swanson was a third-round guy. Warford was a third-round guy, and he's been really good. And then Riley Reef was a first-round guy. I think the big. I think if they move Reef from left tackle to right tackle – Yep. They need to get, put him get back it. there, absolutely. He's not fast enough for left tackle. He gets no. beat by the by the fast edge rushers in the league. Guys like Von Miller, uh, Jaron Allen, DeMarcus Ware, they, they've torn him apart. Move him to right tackle. He can take the slower guys because he's good. He has good uh, technique and everything. He's just not quick enough. Yeah. Get a guy in the first round like Conklin. Maybe you can trade up and get Ronnie Staley from Notre Dame. Yeah, that would be a good one. Maybe by some miracle they land Laramie Tunzel. Not going to happen. But if no, they did, you no. can get a guy like that, put him at left tackle. Even maybe there's a guy in free agency here they can make a trade for. That would solidify that O-line because I think they have a lot of really good young pieces in the interior. Um, they have some good depth with Manny Ramirez and other guys like that. So I think they'll be okay there. Wide receiver, who do they really have there besides Golden Tate? Corey Fuller hasn't shown you much. Lance Moore is old and washed up. Um, so put the down else? to him. Th this is that time. They utilized Lance Moore down the stretch once uh, Jim Bob Cooter took over at offensive coordinator. It seemed like Stafford was thrown to – 
him or uh, Golden Tate every every other play. But what kind of passes was he catching? It was like third and five almost every time, wasn't it? He had a lot of little short, little, little short routes. He's yeah. not he's not the home run threat that they need. When they had oh, Calvin no, last no year and Tate, they still needed a guy. They still needed a speed guy to take the top off the defense. A guy like Martavis Bryant, who I wanted them to take out of Clemson. Look what he's doing for Pittsburgh. Yeah, right. he's the perfect complement to Antonio Brown because he's that speed guy. He's that four two forty guy. Just run right past the secondary. That's a guy that I think they need. It's a testament to how good Calvin Johnson is. We're, we're sitting right here, and we're thinking, hey, who the Lions have at wide receiver besides Calvin Johnson? <laughs> but you take a look at the tight ends, too. Uh, Brandon Pettigrew, I don't think he's caught a pass since 2008. Has Eric Ebron caught a pass in the NFL? I don't know. So they just need some <laughs> he, pass. He's getting, better. he's getting better. He's it's getting better. It's a very slow work in progress with Eric Ebron. Here's the thing. Do we need to replace Calvin Johnson, or do we need to find a better way to make our offense work? Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but when Calvin Johnson was in – you could go ahead and put money down that the ball was going to be thrown from Matt Stafford to Calvin Johnson almost every time. Yep. So, I mean, if, if, if I'm the offensive coordinator, I'm going to find a way to not replace Calvin Johnson and replace a one-dimensional offense. This is the time for Golden Tate and, and Ebron and those guys who haven't been in the headlines to show they belong here. Uh, just because we haven't had successful seasons in the past doesn't mean we have a low standard of success. We are the Detroit Lions. We deserve the playoffs every year with how much we put into our team. Uh, is the team giving back to us? This offense is going to be a work in progress. I mean, it's always been a work in progress. We talk about the offensive line needs help, upgrades. Wide receivers now needs help, needs upgrades. A running game, uh, you got Droit Bell had a very disappointing season this past year. Sierra really can be good, but Amir Abdullah is a fumbling machine. But then you have Matthew Stafford, who – Look at the when he had Jim Bob Cooter as his full-time offensive coordinator looked really good, but then the, against Arizona earlier in the season when he got benched for Dan Orlovsky, who is somehow still in the league. <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but this offense needs some work. And uh, this draft with Bob Quinn with the Patriot way, the Patriots it's the uh, winning way. Yeah, he's. I think he'll have the answers to get something done, some sort of progress. I agree, and I think Julio makes a good point. I don't think there's any replacing Calvin. I think they got to find another way to make the offense work. I think games over the last two seasons, since Caldwell's become the head coach and we got Golden Tate and all those guys, I think the Lions' offense almost looked better in games when Calvin didn't play or games he wasn't a big factor. Games where they were just throwing little quick slants to Golden Tate or little wide receiver screens to him, little curl routes to Lance Moore, finding ways to get Ebron in the offense, Theo Riddick in the slot on linebackers. The New Orleans game this year, I think Calvin caught like three passes. That was it. Yep. And the offense went on a rampage, albeit against a horrible Saints defense. But that offense, they scored like six possessions in a row. Golden Tate looked awesome. Riddick looked awesome. Um, Amir Abdullah looked really good. So I think just finding other ways to get the ball around. Because when Calvin was in there, teams knew where we were going, and they could game plan against that. Without him in there, you can almost you can spread the ball around a little more and mix it up. So I, th I think they'll be all right. Um, I like Bob Quinn. As the GM, I think he'll make the right moves, but we'll, that's yet to be seen. We got a glimpse of what the Lions look like without Calvin because against St. Louis this year, one reception for five yards. Against New Orleans, one reception for one yard. He only had one yard Actually, against no, New Orleans. Actually, no, targeting. I'm dumb. <laughs> one reception each, 16 yards against the Rams, and 19 yards against the Saints. That was all he had against the Saints. And how yeah. many points did we put up against New Orleans? We put up 35. 35-27 win. So the offense is proven, uh, and again, you said, uh, Colin, that New Orleans didn't have the best defense around, um, but any team can beat any other team. We, we know that's a fact, uh, so there is potential, and we've seen this Detroit side without Calvin Johnson put up points, but now we just need him to do it 16 weeks in a row. 
And we will we will find out if they can do that. Now, the reason you were brought on the show, Julio, the main reason, we actually met at a social gathering a couple weekends ago. We started talking some Detroit sports, and you start you brought up um, this soccer movement that's happening in the city of Detroit. Why don't you tell us a little bit, little bit about that? Yeah, Detroit City Football Club. It's a movement, a pro, I wouldn't even call it a project, because the way that it's, they started in 2012 as just a humble, grassroots little team. Uh, LaRouge, L-E-R-U-G-E is, is their nickname, and they have a really great atmosphere above themselves. Um, anybody, and, and it's great for anybody who does love soccer and loves the big, passionate atmosphere of soccer because they're right now they're playing at a stadium, a, a cast tax facility that only holds 3,500 people. They're selling out every game. Uh, you can see their smoke bombs and hear their mega horns for miles. They really are shaking the earth beneath them with such a small team and such a, mal- such a small group of supporters. So really, it sounds like the story of the little engine that could, but it's not so much a little engine when you dive deep into their culture. I mean, in four short years, they've, uh, they, they've, they've gone, they're going from a 3,500-seat stadium over to Keyword <coughs> Stadium uh, in another part of Detroit. They're going to renovate it uh, with crowdfunding and with investors. This is, in four short years, they've made big plans to, to move up from the fourth tier of American soccer up to uh, higher echelons and more, I guess if you want to say, quote-unquote, respected uh, levels of, of play. Um, and, and it's not just Detroit. It's just they are making a name for themselves. They're making a name for the league they're in, the NASL. Um, they have a great uh, what they call the Rust Belt Derby or the Rust Belt Rivalry with teams in Cleveland, teams in Buffalo, uh, industrial cities that you know the sports spotlight hasn't been on them too much, but it's starting to come back. Uh, in a city like Detroit, where who knows if the Tigers are going to have a good season, and the Red Wings, who have had some, I would say, gla- lackluster seasons, just like the Lions and definitely the Pistons. Uh, Detroit, a city that we're used to such great success year after year, hasn't been seeing that, but for Detroit City FC. Um, it's, it's a small outfit, uh, you know, with, 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 with small prices, but big, big entertainment, something that you definitely want other people to see. Okay, now I'm not a huge soccer guy. Like, I really enjoy when the World Cup is on. I think that's really exciting. But I'm not really into, like, MLS or, like, cup soccer and stuff like that. But how does this compare to the kind of the atmosphere that you get during the World Cup? How would you kind of, like, It's how would you the exact same thing is what it is. It's the exact same thing. Me, I'm a big supporter of a team called Liverpool. So there's teams like uh, uh, Liverpool, Barcelona, Celtic, uh, PSG. Uh, some of the biggest names in the world, not just European soccer, are famous for, you know, shaking – shaking the earth and shaking the clouds with the noise and the legendary sound they make and DCFC is just like that. You can see that uh, nobody sits <coughs> at these games. There is no room to sit because if you sit, the hundreds of people around you all standing will either tell you to stand up or you just have to stand up to actually see what's going on. Um, uh, from the first whistle to the 90th minute, it's noise 24-7. As a matter of fact, um, the fans had some fun with it uh, a couple years ago. Uh, they were warned by their league that they're making not too much noise, but you know they're getting a little rowdy on it. So what they did is for the first 45 minutes of a game, they stayed silent. Not a sound, nothing but... It was like you were at the Masters listening to golf claps for great tackles and things like that. But it really did show the power that several thousand people can have just by staying silent. And the fans of DCFC know that they are the attraction. I mean, obviously the soccer is great, but... So are the fans. It's it's what what they call themselves the Northern Guard. It's what the Northern Guard is famous for for being that big atmosphere with such a small team. 
Um, they know it, they love it, they keep on doing it, uh, and they're not going to stop anytime soon. As far as atmosphere is concerned, you don't need to look any further for some of the best atmosphere, not only in Detroit, but all of Michigan. Have you been to a cast tech? Have you, have you actually yeah, been there? Yeah, I've been to the facility. It's really small, honestly. And I literally say this. If you stand behind cast tech, you can't see the field because it's, it's such a small building. It's such a small field. Only holds 3,000 people. But no matter, uh, you, you can stand there when there's nobody there and, and it looks like nothing to you. But when the fans literally march down that field in what looks like this terrifying uh, red, burgundy, black, yellow army coming up, you start to see scarves for sale, shirts for sale, the atmosphere starts to build, and there literally is a buzz in the air before kickoff because they bring drums. And if you were to watch the MLS, a team like Portland Timbers or anything else like that that's famous for their big atmospheres, you see the exact same things going on. It's fourth-tier soccer with first-tier atmosphere. You know, it's, it's, uh, you don't have to pay the big price and you don't have to go out to a major city and pay $30 for parking and so on and so forth. It's, you know, grassroots soccer, but the experience is otherworldly. I, I wish I could describe it to you, but the best way to go find out is to go catch a game and get yourself some more of these great Detroit sports that we have to offer. Say they're going to the Keyword Stadium that's in Hamtramck. That's going to be yep. 7,000 people. Yes, so 7,000 people, yeah. Do you feel they can fill that up? Without even trying. Without even trying. And, and think of it this way, and here's the important part. The team was founded in 2012, right? right? Uh, the team is not even four years old, and they're already talking about moving stadiums, moving tiers. They're making waves, and they haven't, I mean, they've been around for, for such a short time. Mm -hmm. uh, they're moving to Hamtramck. They're getting more recognition. They're getting more support exponentially. By this time next year, everybody's going to know about Detroit City FC, and if they don't, then they're missing out. With all this recognition and recent awareness that you've been talking about, with them growing as a fan base and as a team uh, moving to the new stadium, do you think that there will be a time when they can get to the MLS and compete with the Chicago Fire and the Galaxies of, of that league? Oh, of course, without question. I mean, it's only a matter of time. Uh, as we know, sports is run by money, you know. And, and we, right now, you know, in the next five, ten years, who knows what could happen, but as it stands, you need a huge stadium, you need a big sponsor, you need a lot of money to come in so you can keep that team afloat. Um, the MLS just expanded, uh, recently they expanded out to Orlando City. Yep. There's a new football club calling it LAFC that just started out there um, after Chivas USA recently folded. Um, so yes, MLS, of course, why not? It would be an amazing thing, and, and within a relatively short amount of time, you're definitely going to see DCFC in the second or first tier of soccer. Next five to ten years, maybe not, but it's not a bad, it's, it's, it's definitely something you want to pay attention to and uh, don't let yourself, don't, don't find yourself catching the bandwagon. Get on it now. I've been to Cast Tech a million times or I've watched past it going to Lions games and stuff like that and it's weird because never, I never knew there was a stadium back there. Yup, it's a tiny little grass field and, and it's, it, it was honestly really cool because uh, you, you go to a game at 4 in the afternoon, the sun starts to set, you start to see the rainbow lights from the MGM Detroit on the other side just light up the night sky, but that's not the biggest attraction there because there's guys in helmets with megaphones and smoke bombs and literally just snare drums making all the noise possible. You'd think it's just a group of several thousand hooligans for no reason, but it's, it's a very organized, very dedicated group of supporters and something I love as a sports fan is just seeing a dedicated loyal group of fans it's you know it's something that you don't really see very often in 
American sports, if we're comparing it to, to sports worldwide, uh, loyalty from kickoff to the final whistle is not something that's in every single city or every single team. So it's really refreshing, and it's a breath of fresh air to know that there's a new never-say-die attitude from Detroit sports, and it's definitely a lot of it is coming from this small, organized group of dedicated fans that love their soccer. I think it's cool because we've always been known as a hockey town, a team that loves its football without much success. Love the Tigers. Um, haven't had the Pistons downtown. But, it, yeah, it's cool. We have, like, this, lo- this local team, not very big yet, but the fan base is just – they're there because they love the game. And it, us as Lions fans and all that, we've just been complaining the last few years. So it's nice having fans that are just passionate about the sport. It doesn't sound like they care really much if they win or lose. They're going to be there and have fun no matter what. So I think that's really cool. Definitely, definitely. Uh, win or lose, of course they care, but if, if it's not the best result in the world, you, you better believe they're going to make more noise because of it. Um, what I love is the fact that with the Pistons out in Ann Arbor, you know. Auburn uh, Hills. Auburn yeah. Hills. Oh, Auburn, yes. I'm sorry, yeah, I said it, Auburn Hills. Ho- hopefully moving to Detroit within the next few years. You know, yeah. New brand new arena. Yep. Exactly. Be awesome. um, with, with the Wings getting a new stadium coming up as well. Yep. Um, the Tigers with some new signings coming around. There really is, and, and of course it's the offseason for major sports, but there's an air and there's a buzz and a, a refreshing atmosphere about Detroit now, and it's a great time to, to at least do a little bit of reading about Detroit soccer and find out where we're about to go. So who are the fans that are going to these games? Are these people that live in downtown Detroit, or are they traveling from all over the state? You would honestly be surprised. I mean, uh, me living in Mount Pleasant, I'll, I'd if I have the time, I'd happily drive two, two and a half hours to go see them. But yeah, most of the fans are local, especially now in the Hamtramck area. Um, Hamtramck, if, if you've been, is, I wouldn't say youthful, but definitely it's, it's a different side of Detroit. Definitely a nice, uh, a nice neighborhood you can relocate to that you can definitely expand from. Uh, Hamtramck is a really diverse area of Detroit. Um, and it's, it's a great spot for an up-and-coming team being in an, I wouldn't call it an up-and-coming neighborhood, but definitely uh, something that you can go to enjoy. You know, you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, Detroit has a stigma of being unsafe. Detroit has a stigma of being dark and just not so nice. But Detroit City FC with the relocation to Hamtramck and the people coming from all parts of Detroit, yeah, they're definitely going to come from, from the Detroit area, but... Um, you're going to see that, especially with teams in Grand Rapids popping up, teams in Lansing. Uh, Michigan soccer as a whole on the south side of the state is coming up, and you're about to see fans traveling from all parts of the lower peninsula and maybe even the upper peninsula to come see DCFC. You said this started in 2012? 2012, yeah. The okay. team will be four years old. So it's, yeah, it's still a pretty young team. So uh, talk about the players a little bit. Like, are, is, are these players young as well, as well with the team, or are these a little bit older, more veteran players? Well, you know, older, more veteran players, but at the same time, you know, they're scouting to, to local universities, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm not, you know, in, in on how they scout, but yeah. you can definitely tell when you read some of their articles that they look at guys from different universities. Okay. They look at a couple of guys from Western, a couple of guys from MSU. Um, and really, because the, the MLS itself is so small, it's great that this is an outlet for local Michigan players, for local Michigan talent to develop their skills. That way, it's not just the end of the road after college soccer. There is life after college soccer for a lot more than what you than what there usually is. Um, so a lot of the players, you know, they're going to be uh, coming out of college, definitely college age, and 
older veteran players, not so much. It's definitely a more youthful experience that we have there. But uh, all ages, all walks of life, you're, you're going to see pulling on that red shirt for DCFC. Um, it's it really does feel like a collective group effort, not just fans to go see eleven players, but eleven players are followed and accompanied by their fans. You're not just playing Detroit City FC. You're playing the Northern Guard too. How much do you think the game of soccer is growing? Because now football might be declining with concussion. People are scared about that. Right. Parents might want their kids to play soccer more. It's kind of had a growing uh, popularity. So what do you think of that? Oh, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, me, of course, being a soccer fan, I love the fact that soccer is increasing in America. I mean, the MLS only started in 96. You know, right. it's, it, it's a 20-year-old league. Um, and, of course, it's had its ups and downs. But the fact that we're seeing small not farm teams, but small grassroots teams like these pop up in cities like Detroit that have to compete with four other major teams. Cities like Cleveland, cities like Buffalo and Grand Rapids now that they now have a couple of Detroit farm teams out there as well with the Whitecaps and it's the drive yep, that's out there now too. Um, so soccer is increasing exponentially and it's becoming a lot of fun, not just for the game, but for the atmosphere that's there. You know, <coughs> instead of, and, 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 and of course, no disrespect to the Tigers, but instead of, you know, paying some good money to go sit in a hot seat for three, four hours while you watch nine innings of great Detroit baseball. You know, for a fraction of the price, you go grab your seat, the game kicks off, and two hours later, you're done. You go back home, talk about it. It's, if you want to think of it more of like a compact experience, but with all of the, all of the atmosphere and all of the enjoyment you'd expect from a professional setting of sports. It says here their record attendance was 3,884. Yeah, almost 4,000 people. They it's say Cast Tech has a capacity of 3,000. So they're already filling Cast Tech to capacity and then some, and now they're going to be moving to Hamtramck. And uh, it's, it's actually really, really cool to see some of the artists' renderings of how this stadium's going to look. Uh, they're, they're funding it themselves. They're funding a, a big part of this themselves. So if that says anything about the people of DCFC and how much they care about their soccer, they're doing something to really push their team forward as much as they can. Now, what did you say in the name of the league is that they're playing again? The NASL. I think it's the North American Soccer League. I'm not positive on that, but it's the fourth tier down. So it's uh, MLS, two more tiers, and then you find yourself in the NASL. Okay. So do you think this could be the start of maybe Detroit or Michigan getting an MLS team within 10 to 20 years, you think? You think starting now like this Best maybe chance. can lead to that? Yeah. Best chance there is. There's been soccer in Detroit before. I mean, soccer was a little popular in America in the 70s and 80s, mostly on the West Coast with teams like Seattle and Portland. But um, Detroit is already uh, – the fact that we're already talking about MLS and DCFC answers your question. Yes, we're expecting DCFC – to be in the MLS. Who knows? Five, ten years? Most likely not. Just because of the size of the, the amount of money that it takes to, to, to be an MLS team and the amount of sponsorship you need and, and facilities. Um, honestly, who knows what's going to happen? Because there, there are good investors behind DCFC. Maybe one of the Fords will pick the team up and, and, put, <laughs> them in the, and put them in the MLS in, in five years' time. Who knows? But it would definitely be nice to see because the fans deserve it. The city of Detroit deserves it. Uh, these are good, hard-working people that deserve excellence in their sports. Not only it, uh, we know that the city of Detroit is great at industry, <coughs> but we also know that we're great at sports. Not lately in this last decade, but it's time to come back. Uh, and definitely Detroit's going to help us with our winning ways. And if the team keeps winning, MLS will definitely be a possibility.
I completely agree. And U.S. Uh, men's soccer head coach Jurgen Klinsmann has actually said before, the only way U.S. soccer is going to get better is if the MLS gets better. Of course. And maybe that's the way this happens. Cities like Grand Rapids, Detroit, get teams, maybe eventually get an MLS team. The MLS grows across the United States, and it makes the U- United States soccer team better. Right. And then they can compete against teams like Germany, Spain, Brazil, Italy. Maybe they can become a national power over the next 30 years by the MLS getting bigger and starting in these local neighborhoods. I think that's the way you start and you build. It's going to be a slow process. But eventually, maybe U.S. can be uh, be a contender for the World Cup one day. Well, it all starts at home. A couple of uh, a couple of American players are being loaned out and, and 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 sold out to teams in Europe like Chelsea and 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 maybe some smaller teams, not quite as big as Chelsea, but uh, definitely it all starts at home. Klinsman, Klinsman, uh, Jurgen Klinsmann is right. He he doesn't just come from nowhere. He's won a couple of World Cups with Germany. He's been the the head coach in America for quite a while now. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. It all starts with the MLS. And since 96, the MLS has only been getting better and getting better. Um, now that we have players like David Villa, Andre Pirlo, Steven Gerrard, who's one of my favorite players of all time, moving to L.A. recently. Frank Lampard's out there now. Um, John Terry, who's one of the best players in the history of the game, says he's going to be retiring soon. Maybe there's an MLS option for them. The MLS Beck- Beckham did a while ago. Did, and David yep. Beckham was really the catalyst behind that. And David Beckham's whole move was to bring soccer to America and put it in a global light. He's done that now. Now it's time for America to take soccer and put it in a global light. We still need a little bit of help on the way, but we're not far off from our goal. They say these the big four of sports would be the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, NHL. Uh, where do you feel like the MLS fits in that, especially in Detroit? Like I know it's not difficult for New York, maybe L.A. or Chicago to get people in there, but you think there will be some competition to get people in the seats when you got the Lions playing on Sundays and then – Tigers selling out Comerica Park? Not one bit. Not one bit. Uh, I mean, uh, of course, if you have you know two or three games during the day, yeah, you're going to be hard-pressed to go to a soccer game, then a ball game, and then a basketball game, sure. Um, but you mentioned like teams like L.A., teams like New York. There's already New York City FC, uh, owned by Manchester City Football Club, one of the richest teams in existence. They've yeah. got David Villa. They've got huge names out there. We're talking about a team that competes with the Yankees. They compete with the Knicks. They compete with the Rangers. And they're still selling seats. Obviously, they're not going to sell out Yankee Stadium anytime soon. But <laughs> they do have to compete, but they are competing. You know, it, it is a fair competition. Uh, teams like, uh, we have two soccer teams now in L.A. And they have to compete with the Kings. They have to compete with the Lakers. You know, they're soon going to have to compete with the Rams that are moving out there now, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, soccer does have to compete with the big four in America. It's not as hard a competition as you might think. Um and the MLS has kind of been getting some stick for being the retirement league where older English players or international players will come over and play for us. But it's only making the league more popular. There's a reason that they're coming over here. Yes, the money is here, but the exposure is here too. As the exposure increases, so does the fan base, so does the money, so does the competition. Completely agree. So moving on, and thanks for talking about that, Hulu. Thank really you. appreciate it. Moving on, we had a big All-Star weekend in sports. Yesterday we had the NHL All-Star game. We had the Pro Bowl, so I want to kind of talk about those two a little bit, how they compare, um, which do we think is better. So, uh, Evan, why don't you start us out with talking about those. First off, I didn't watch the Pro Bowl. Uh, <laughs> Most people didn't. I saw, Rachel Pla- I saw Rachel Platten at like 6.50 in, in the cafeteria here. And I was watching her on TV, and I'm like, I'm not going to watch that. Uh, I, just I don't even know who that is. Yeah. She's a good singer, but just like oh, oh it's a singer. This is the main. This is the main attraction. Like uh, I, the Pro Bowl, I didn't really care about. I love 
the new format for the NHL All-Star game. Three on three. Three on three, three 20-minute games, and then you got the the different divisions. It just makes for more fun, more exciting, because that's what hockey's about, Mm -hmm. especially come playoff time. It's like playoff time during the regular season. You get to see all your favorite stars. We got to see more Dylan Larkin this past weekend for the Red Wings, and John Scott, too, the incredible story he's been on. I wouldn't expect him to get the MVP honors, but I just love this new format. I feel like the NHL, you know, they're like – the fourth team of the big four this was their way to kind of boost their popularity and i feel like they did an outstanding job and i enjoyed it very much and john scott laughing when patrick king got booed before the game was hilarious <laughs> that, that, was, that was probably the that's probably my favorite moment that one was coming the patrick king getting booed i thought that was great too didn't watch the pro bowl at all um yeah. it was one of my buddy's birthdays last night so we went out for a little bit and on the tvs they had the pro bowl and then sports center and I was like, okay, cool. Irvin's team's winning. Great. Don't care. And I just didn't watch any of it. I, the one play that I saw was a fake field goal or fake extra point or something. And uh, Giants kicker Josh Brown got intercepted. Oh, I, be. I was like, yeah, exactly. I was like, that's such a Pro Bowl play. Like, that's, that's totally something that you would see in the Pro Bowl only. And it, that, that's kind of why I think that a lot of people don't enjoy it is the predictability that comes with the Pro Bowl. You got plays basically just four verticals coming out of Madden 16. That's basically all the playbook is. You just got people going deep. You got Julio Jones. You got A.J. Green. You got all these people. And that's all they they have to do is is just show their flash, show their abilities. That is the point of an all-star game. But when it's boring and it doesn't mean anything, do the fans really care? Obviously not. I don't even know the score of the game. I don't know what the score of the game was either. I know, I know Team Irvin's yeah, team, team won big, team Irvin but who really cares? Yeah, I was going through Twitter. It doesn't mean anything. I was going through Twitter trying to find the score, and I just saw Adrian Peterson. The big story was all the NFL players talking about Calvin Johnson. That was bigger than the actual that, game. Really? Yeah. Wow, I did not that's know a, that. Yeah. And then it was I, Charles Charles Woodson's last last Charles, time I ever yeah, put on the pads. Yeah, people talking about that. Yeah, that was great. That's your biggest storyline. You got really nothing. Well, and the problem is that they're putting it at the end of the season when – Literally 30 teams in the 32-team NFL has nothing to do with this Pro Bowl. Yep. The only one of the two teams that are working right now are uh, working on the Super Bowl, obviously. I, I always had an idea to put it in the middle of a season, but then your argument is, well, nobody would play. The NHL guys still play. The MLB guys still play. Make it worth something. It's great for the players. It's great for their family. They get to go out to Hawaii, have a great time, you know, and it's, it's a good exhibition of the, the players' abilities. They get to flash. They get to show off. It's an all-star game. But... I mean, it's 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 a dim all-star game, you know. No, yeah. And like you said, nobody cares. Whose idea was it to make it compete with the NHL All-Star Game? Because first of all, not only does nobody watch the Pro Bowl, it's on at the same time as the NHL All-Star Game. Move it from Hawaii to different stadiums. Make it different formats. Let's yeah. do let's do skill competitions. Fastest forty, fastest hundred-yard dash, longest throw, longest kick, uh, five on five, seven on seven. Uh, you know, two quarter games, teams of four, make it something other than what mm-hmm. it is now because the NFL can't keep just throwing money away. I can't. I can't imagine that this is a very profitable game for the NFL. Absolutely no. not. Uh, it gets zero coverage. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the fact that they have to hold it in Hawaii at seven p.m. not even yeah. prime time. Mm-hmm. This is the All Star game, uh, and and they're making it compete with the NHL All Star game, which I caught a little bit of both. But I'll admit. I'm not even the biggest fan of hockey, and I was still more thrilled by that three-on-three exhibition than whatever the Pro Bowl was. It used to be guys just walking around hugging each other on tackles, 
and it still is guys walking around hugging each other <laughs> on tackles, especially in the fourth quarter. It's great to see these guys have fun, but if the name of the game is to be is to entertain the fans and to be entertaining, you got to step your game up because this is ridiculous. Even mm-hmm. the NASCAR All Star race that they have in May is miles more entertaining than this NFL Pro Bowl. All the major sports have their all-star games in the middle of the season, and they're monumentally more entertaining than what the NFL does now. Change it or get rid of it. Thank you. We were talking about this last week. You weren't here. We were saying all the other sports, they know how to sell their game. Like the NHL, they have the skills competition. NBA, they have a skills competition. They have the slam dunk. They got the three-point competition. Major League Baseball, home run derby, hello. All the other (laughs) sports have something leading up to it that gets you excited for the game. It anticipates the game. What does the NFL have? Nothing. You're the biggest sport in the country, second biggest in the world. You dominate. Uh, you dominate the United States. You're you're a billion dollar industry. NHL doesn't isn't even on ESPN ever. They don't have a deal with nope. ESPN, the biggest sports market. You own ESPN. You own you own sports in this country, and you're getting overshadowed by the fourth biggest sport in your own in your own country. It's it's really sad. And yeah, who decided to put it on the same time as another All Star game? And and why is it? Geniuses. The, I think it yes. just fell down that way because usually it's not that way is yeah. it well it's always the week between you know the last playoffs it's yeah. always that intermittent game yeah right? it, right it used to be after the season yeah. but recently yeah they moved yeah. it the week between which is dumb because the players of the super bowl are so, supposed to be the best in the so whole you're league missing out on like two-fifths of panthers offensive line you're missing out cam newton um i all, all these broncos defensive players that have been studs the entire year you miss out on those guys to show off their talents and it's a useless game without everyone being able to compete. So it, it makes make it, it pretty unfair. So let's make it not useless. What do we do? I, I, said, I like your idea start. of putting it in the middle of the season. But yes. So, I mean, injuries are a thing that ravages the, uh, the NFL. Absolutely. No discredit to the MLB. No discredit to the NHL. Yeah. Uh, of course, they get injured all the time as well. But if these guys are make it worth something, they split a, they split a million dollars 11 yeah. ways yep. uh, last night's NHL game. Uh, with the MLB, you get home field advantage if you win your all-star game. What do we do in the NFL to make it that exciting? What I, what I told these guys last week is I said, how about go back to NFC versus AFC, put it maybe in the middle of the season or something like you were saying. The winner of that game, that conference, gets the home Super Bowl next year. The AFC wins, it's at like Pittsburgh or some random. You have a list of AFC teams who get the Super Bowl. It's in the AFC next year. NFC wins, it's in Arizona next year. It's in Detroit, something. You have a list and it goes down the list. That's how I think you make it. You make it worth it for the players. The diffi- okay. Go ahead. The difficulty with that playing in the middle of the yeah. season is they have all these different bye weeks and stuff. Players really don't want to come and go all the way out to Hawaii or they'll probably move it somewhere else. But pe- players don't really want to do that. They want that week off to rest with their families, rest up. And uh, But I feel like the Pro Bowl will be aided with some sort of skills competition. Have like guys like Janikowski or Goskowski kick field goals or something, get Tom yeah. Brady out there passing the Gronk or something, some sort of skills competitions like that but the fans want to see i say at that point if you want to put the pro bowl in the middle of the season just get what get rid of bye weeks in general and just have week eight or week nine or whatever just be yep. everyone's bye week that's the that's, that's, that's the way idea. that it would come down to. i like but that. the challenge is now you have the games in london that takes a while forget get rid of that forget, forget london yeah, this is our game yeah forget Not london america you have any idea how much money they make on that London game alone? Yeah. Oh, oh, it's a yeah, lot. Not, they, they play at Wembley. Exactly, yeah. and, and a ninety thousand seat stadium. Why yeah. wouldn't they? It definitely outsells the NFL. Now you had a great idea. Just you know, uh, give everyone the same bye week. But what happens when the NFLPA comes to you and they say, "Well, now we need time off." You know, not giving these guys time off. Right. I had an idea to just if you're going to put it in the middle of the season. Extend the season by two weeks. A week of break before the All-Star game and a week of break after the All-Star okay. game. Let guys rest up before and after. Sure, the season is extended in the NFL. 
but they're just going to make more money because of the TV exposure. They and they like that. They want the NFL to dominate the entire offseason yep. as well, so that's good for them. That's exactly. why they moved the NFL draft back into May instead of April because that's more time people are going to talk about the NFL draft leading up to it. It's, it's all about the hype. It's all about the hype, but they don't even know how to hype up their All-Star game. They'll yeah, hype up exactly. their, their damn NFL draft, but not your All-Star game with your best players in your sport. Give this me a break. This is the problem. Next year, P- uh, companies or no, I'm sorry, not next year. Next week, companies are going to be spending $5 million to air their ads for 30 seconds. You have it, Now, just move that to the middle of the season. You know, uh, bring up the hype. I'm not saying make the All-Star game as great as the Super Bowl, but it's a snore fest. The, the ratings have been down for years now, and if the NFL truly claims to be one of the best leagues in the world, one of the most entertaining, because right now after this whole deflate gate thing, the world still hates Roger Goodell and probably will always hate him. Uh, the NFL needs something, not necessarily to improve their image, but to polish it up. They're getting dusty. They're getting mud sl- uh, slung at them, you know, and... Uh, Definitely switching up this All-Star game, putting it someplace, maybe not even the middle of the season, putting it, put it at the beginning of the season. Make it some sort of preseason exhibition, but you got to improve what you have now. It's not helping anybody. And Roger Goodell, his reputation's gone. He's pretty much the Rick Schneider of the NFL. No one, <laughs> he, He's done. So that's a whole other topic for another day. But what, what, going back to what you guys were saying about the skills competition, they can make that really cool with football. Yeah. Think about the, the fastest skater with the Dylan Larkin thing, how cool that was. Imagine if they did a 40-yard dash, a 100-yard dash in the NFL, the fastest players in football. It's, so, it's big when they come out of college and do the combine. It's even bigger at the Pro Bowl. Think about Antonio Brown running up against um, Deshaun Jackson. Yep. You got, like, Martavis Bryant. Martavis Bryant out there. Guys that are running four, two, four, threes, going at it. Find out who's the fastest player in the NFL. Put a, put put rest to the debate. That'd be so cool to watch. Everybody want to see that. Julio Jones out there. Alumni game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Alum- yeah. Michael Irvin, Jerry Rice. Yeah. Instead of them being coaches, how about they have their own game the and make it been... NFC versus AFC, the best coach from the NFC yeah, the previous MLB year. MLB has, uh, has a celebrity, celebrity all-star soft- softball, softball game. game. Yeah, after the home run like derby. How great would it to be? Would it to be? How great would it be to see Mike Dick on one side? You've got. Jimmy Johnson on the other side. Yeah. Barry Sanders puts a helmet on again. We've all been dying to see him play again. Uh, Jerry Rice makes another one of his mm-hmm. catches. There's and, and in the last five minutes alone, we've come up with so many ideas that I think not only the four of us, but a lot of folks would agree is just way better than what we currently have. Well, and how, and how long did it take for us to just name ten good ideas? And we're, who are we? These guys <laughs> are supposed to be geniuses from Stanford and Harvard and all that, making millions of dollars, and they can't yeah. even think of this stuff. We should or if they can, they don't know how to market NFL. it. Like They exactly. don't know how to think of it. Well, like, we're nobody's compared to them, and we're thinking of stuff. Like We can make the NFL better, but we're not the ones up there. Like Who hired these guys? Exactly. Maybe they don't care because we all say, hey, we don't care about it. We're like, we don't care either. We care about the Super Bowl that's coming up next week. Yep. True. Kind of been forced now, to put this on. That's something. Nice transition. I see what you did there. So get into the Super Bowl to wrap things up. Um, predictions from everybody. I know last week you guys said um, we thought it'd be a close game like Carolina. I thought it'd be a blowout. What are your takes on that now? After a week of thinking, I'm going to stay with my same decision. Yeah. Uh, Cam Newton is as confident as ever. This uh, Carolina Panthers team overall I think is better than Denver, even though Denver may have a better defense. And Peyton Manning at quarterback. I'm going to say again, Panthers 34, Broncos 27. Yep, I'm sticking with my same prediction. I'm going to go 35-30, Panthers. Broncos by a touchdown. It's going to be close, um, but we've been hearing it for years. Defense wins championships. We're finally playing for a championship. I love Cam Newton. I love how, how big he smiles. I love how he always gives a football to the kids on the, on, on the sidelines. I want nothing more than for Cam Newton to finally win that Super Bowl because I think he's going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks uh, of the last or, or the next 20 years, right? But 
you can't beat experience. You can't beat Peyton Manning. You can't beat that Denver defense. You can't beat the Broncos. It's going to be close, and I think the last team to have the ball is going to win this game. I think that's going to be Denver. Denver by a touchdown. It'd be nice to see Peyton Manning win for probably because he's might probably going to retire. That could be a possibility, but I'm going to love the defensive battle. Yeah. Uh, you have Luke Keekley for the Panthers, a middle linebacker, Von Miller for the Broncos. It's going to be a heck of a game, I might think. Even matchups on both sides, definitely. Yep. Peyton Manning should have stuck to his Papa John's commercials because he, he has no <laughs> chance on Sunday. He's going to get destroyed. You said the Broncos may have a better defense. No chance. Are you kidding me? Carolina's defense, they might be the best defense the last 20 years. I think they're better than Seattle's Legion of Boom from 2013. Keekley, Kwan Short, Latule, uh, Josh, Josh Norman, Norman, that whole yeah. guy, everyone, uh, they, have a, they have a pro bowler and all-star in every level of that defense. They are awesome on, on offense. Cam, Cam, Superman, Newton, they're, they're unbelievable. They are going to blow Denver out. It's, it's going to be over by halftime, I'm telling you right now. What was your score again? I said, I believe it was like 38-17. Okay. Yeah, it's, so by halftime, you guys will be bored. Which I hope I'm wrong, because I want it to be interesting Super Bowl. If I'm oh, paying yeah. money for food and beverages and all that, having friends come over, I want it to be entertaining, but Carolina's going to blow them out. You heard it here. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll come back we'll to see. this next week. Yep. Was, I can't wait done. to talk to you guys next week about this, this game. This is going to be yep. there's, there's a lot of pride on the line. Yeah, oh, absolutely. There always is. Well, that'll do it uh, here for us on uh, Sportsmanlike Conduct. Thanks for joining us. Brought to you by CM Life in print uh, Mondays and Thursdays and online every day. For Von Lozon, Evan Sichella, and our guest Julio Nieves, I'm Colin Loxton. Have a good night.